Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. This week marks the 30th anniversary of the end of the first Iraq war. The coalition headed by the United States and including Saudi, Syrian and Egyptian forces defeated Saddam Hussein and imported limits on his power. But 12 years later, war erupted again and this time Saddam was captured and executed. Iraq was occupied and its fragile domestic equilibrium shattered. In almost two decades, it is yet to find the right balance between the Shiite, Sunni and Kurdish components and the outside forces competing in it, primarily Iran and the United States. To analyze the state of play in Iraq as it prepares for early parliamentary elections this coming fall, joining us from central Israel is Dr. Ronen Zaidel, a researcher at the Moshe Dayan Center at Tel Aviv University and a research fellow at the Institute for Policy and Strategy at IDC Herzliya. Thank you for joining us. Good afternoon. Also joining us from Jerusalem is Dr. Amir Bones, who is a research fellow at the Moshe Dayan Center at Tel Aviv University. Thank you for joining us as well. Thank you. And with me in the studio is our TV7 analyst and host of uh, TV7's Watchmen Talk, Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding on the latest uh, developments and what should we focus on when we're speaking about Iraq today? Well, let's start by uh, a semi-philosophical question. What is the opposite of dictatorship. Is it democracy? Not really, at least not in the Middle East. The opposite of dictatorship is either anarchy or being dictated to by a foreign power. And uh, it seems as if uh, there's a mixture of both in Iraq, as uh, we are now uh, 18 years after the uh, uh, US uh, armed forces invaded for the second time. Um, uh, Bush Jr. after Bush the Elder. And um, as we are speaking now, there are two major developments. One is that um, the Iraqi internal forces are watching to see whether the Biden administration will directly follow the Trump administration's wish to withdraw all forces uh, from Iraq um, in uh, short order, or whether they will stay on with some coalition forces, at least, of course, uh, through the fall elections, which were supposed to happen next year. Then they uh, were called for early this year, then postponed again. Um, and this time around, it seems as if uh, Muqtada al-Sadr is going to have the upper hand. And the other development is that uh, pro-Iranian militias are um, exchanging fire or at least rocketing American and other uh, forces, both uh, in Erbil, in the Kurdish region, and uh, in other places, the Balad uh, airbase, uh, in order to show that Iran is seriously meddling in the uh, affairs of Iraq. One last note. Former Prime Minister Ayad al-Alawi uh, surprised uh, many of his uh, listeners or watchers uh, by saying that uh, peace with Israel uh, is not unthinkable. Uh, he was asked um, about the normalization agreements that Israel uh, has signed with several Gulf and other countries. And this was his response, which um, 
should be uh, looked at as normal in the Israeli-Arab relationship because Iraq is the only uh, combatant of 1948 never to um, have signed even the armistice agreement. Um, but nevertheless, Iraq up to now um, uh, has uh, stood apart from those neighbors of Israel, the immediate neighbors, uh, who have either peace agreements such as Egypt uh, and uh, Jordan or uh, the Palestinians in the Oslo agreements or Lebanon in Syria, which at least have negotiated, uh, not signed, not reached any uh, full uh, peace agreement. And Iraq has been staying out of it. Perhaps now it will inch closer to uh, what is uh, the new normal in the Middle East. You're speaking, of course, about the domestic interview in which the prime minister or the former prime minister stated, we have attempted uh, time after time to throw Israel into the sea and failed. Now it's time to think otherwise. But I'd like to refer the next question to Dr. Bohms. When we're talking about uh, the Iraqi theater uh, at the time when the United States is evidently uh, keen on shifting its uh, uh, interests from the, the Middle East theater into the Chinese theater, or at least prioritizing the Chinese theater, uh, the South China Sea and those areas a lot more. Uh, and uh, now after that, uh, about uh, two weeks ago, uh, less than two weeks ago, we saw uh, in the NATO uh, meeting of uh, defense ministers where Austin, uh, the US Secretary of Defense was also present, uh, that uh, there was a decision to increased deployment from 400 to about 4,500. But at the same time, they're talking specifically about a mix of U.S. Co uh, coalition forces, which doesn't necessarily mean American troops, which allows then the Americans to utilize NATO for its purposes of not allowing once again a vacuum to emerge, as happened post the Obama administration at the time, uh, but rather to leave a footprint in the field and then allow itself to also focus elsewhere. How do you see this now within this uh, theater uh, that is so uh, stricken or ridden by various conflicts, not only on a uh, regional scale, but also domestically? Well, the Iraqi theater will certainly be a test case for the Biden administration. The Biden administration uh, comes to this uh, with an idea of changing policy, with uh, giving another chance for diplomacy. Uh, this is an administration that also would like to prioritize America uh, and, and domestic issues, and therefore it would not attempt to uh, automatically bring additional troops to engage in our theaters. On the contrary, it uh, will say that it seeks uh, to bring diplomacy to the table in order to sort some problems. But of course, uh, diplomacy cannot sort all problems, and, and uh, they have seen that uh, uh, with uh, just last week uh, another a barrage of rockets into the green zone and the week before uh, you have a, a, a really a constant uh, uh, attempts to challenge the Americans uh, and really to uh, ask whether uh, now the new administration and the NATO allies uh, will need to be more assertive as they seek to keep uh, the stability in Iraq. Um, Iraq has not been stable. Uh, just a few days ago, uh, a report uh, was published that uh, in the last decade, Iraq was ranked the second worst affected country by explosives, 70%, uh, uh, over 70% civilians uh, totaling and 73,000 deaths in the last decade. And this is just the recorded uh, cases. 
Um, and of course, this has to do with the people who are meddling in the Iraqi uh, theater. Uh, this is the place where uh, the head of the uh, um, Al-Quds forces, uh, Qasem Soleimani, was taken. Again, in an attempt, uh, uh, really, uh, was he was felt secure enough um, to travel uh, uh, Iraq, uh, uh, thinking that uh, there's not going to be harm. Uh, and working with militias were constant, continuously destabilized uh, the uh, uh, country that is still uh, uh, torn with uh, identity uh, politics um, and with uh, external players that uh, attempts to uh, uh, destabilize it. Uh, all of that will be a testing round, um, and it seems that uh, the lack of stability continues. Uh, there are more uh, bombs. Um, and, and more uh, fires, and this only joins uh, the uh, Iraqi people who had uh, came to the streets really in the last year, uh, since the beginning of the last year again, uh, saying that uh, something needs to change. Um, some of them were the simple Iraqi citizens who simply want to change like so many others in the Middle East, and others were those who were encouraged, uh, certainly uh, uh, with the Shia structures uh, under the leadership of Iran, uh, in order to pursue a particular agenda. And this is partially explains the statement that we spoke about before. Perhaps uh, we need to really change course and even think about uh, a, a path of normalization uh, that perhaps can uh, be uh, a turn uh, that will bring Iraq um, into a, a different uh, orientation in the region. All of that plays uh, together and will certainly be a, a very significant test case for NATO and particularly for the Americans. Indeed. Dr. Zaidel, I'd like to ask you uh, and, and to bring another actor into the picture. Uh, late January, uh, the, the Turkish Defense Minister Hulusi Akar visited Iraq, during which uh, he met with both his Kurdish counterpart of the Kurdistan regional, uh, uh, regional government and also from the, the Baghdad central government, uh, his counterpart there, uh, had various conversations with both uh, governments and uh, had substantiated some uh, some uh, concrete agreements about further operations uh, conducted by Turkey alongside uh, their Iraqi counterparts in northern Iraq, specifically against the PKK organization, the, the Kurdish uh, uh, internationally recognized terror organization, or at least Western uh, recognized terror organization. And at the same time, it also uh, emphasized uh, its uh, will to widen its scope of operations in Iraq alongside Syria and elsewhere. Uh, to what degree do you see the, the Turkish uh, operations actually uh, coming into force in the next uh, period of time? Uh, from what I hear from Ankara myself, I hear that uh, mid-March to towards end-March, we may start seeing uh, a wide-scale operation in the making. The situation of uh, forces on in the northern part of Iraq um, partly in Kurdistan and partly in the disputed areas between um, the uh, Kurdish uh, regional government and uh, the Iraqi government. Uh, hotspots right now is Sinjar. Um, Sinjar became known for uh, the um, tragedy of the Yazidis there in the summer of 2014. Unfortunately, the tragedy is still going on, but now not at the hands of Daesh, but at the hands of um, uh, Kurdish, oh, sorry, uh, Turkish um, airstrikes uh, plummeting this area on a daily basis. Uh, they do that in order to um, inflict um, 
um, uh, casualties or to hurt to, to um, um, uh, attack uh, PKK and PKK affiliated organizations, the the, the Azidi, um self defense forces in the area are affiliated with PKK. Um, and um, another actor in the area is the Hashd Shabi, the Popular Mobilization Forces, the Iraqi Shiite Popular Mobilization Forces, were stationed there in order to um, 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 make it a stronghold for them. Uh, and because they arrived there during the fight against Daesh, um, and they also maintain their presence there because it is a very strategic area on the road to Syria. And for them, the road to Syria is crucial because that's how they pass um, arms, ammunition to the, their people in Syria. Um, and right now, uh, the Turkish airstrikes are very close to uh, hitting um, the, uh, uh, the, the Hash to Shabi, not only the PKK. Um, quite a few weeks ago, there was um, an agreement between the Iraqi government and the KRG over Sinjar. And the bottom line of this agreement is that the uh, PMF, the Popular Mobilization Forces, should be drawn from the area, which is what they don't want. Um, they are quite upset with this uh, agreement, and their reaction to the uh, agreement was the uh, launching of rockets against the uh, American base near the Erbil International Airport, killing two people. Um, it's, um, it, it was the expression of their being upset with the uh, Sinjar agreement. Another thing that they did with Iranian mediation, uh, you know, undoubtedly with Iranian mediation, mediation of the IRGC with the uh, Revolutionary Guards there, is to make the PKK part of uh, their um, of their side, part of the uh, uh, popular mobilization forces with Iranian uh, guardianship to all this. So that means that in Sinjar we are very likely to see um, a kind of a military confrontation, but this time not between the Americans and the Iranians, which is something we got used to and we still have in Iraq, but this time between Turkey and Iran. And um, today, Prime Minister, Iraqi Prime Minister Musa Fakademi um, pleaded, pleaded all sides to not make Iraq a, uh, a stage for uh, uh, confrontation, for external confrontation, confrontation of external uh, uh, sides, you know. And this time it didn't really mean Iran and America, he meant Iran, Turkey and America, making Iraq a stage for their uh, confrontation. This is what he doesn't really want to do. I don't know how he can avoid that. This should be avoided by the Turkish government and by the Iranian government. Probably it will happen. Um, but, um, you know, an occasional rocket hitting a PMF or hitting uh, a Turkish uh, airplane could start that. Indeed. Uh, Mr. Owen, Iraq is complex. There, there are many different forces operating there. And uh, we both know that uh, the Middle East usually presents that the enemy of my enemy 
may become my strategic or tactical partner for specific uh, operations. Uh, in Iraq, obviously, it seems that uh, Turkey and Iran are in a path uh, to collision at this stage. Uh, of course, there are different attempts from the Iranian side in light of uh, the intensive pressure that they are under vis-a-vis uh, -vis the United States and uh, the U.S.-led coalition there. Uh, it seems that uh, they are now trying to somehow alleviate tensions with uh, uh, Turkey, which actually started in uh, the uh, Kurdistan area and then uh, north from there, of course, Azerbaijan and, and the whole Nagorno-Karabakh uh, dispute and, and uh, war that occurred there. To what degree do you see this actually bringing Israel more into the picture, considering the fact that uh, the Iranian presence in, in Iraq has been vocally expressed as a threat to Israel, considering the fact that it is a corridor, as uh, also Dr. Zaydel mentioned, uh, for Iranian smuggling of possibly precision-guided munitions, but uh, also tactical munitions and, and statistical munitions into Syria and from Syria to Lebanon, which of course then threaten Israel from its northern front. So Israelis and uh, earlier Israelites have been following events in uh, Mesopotamia or biblical Aram Naharaim from time immemorial. And uh, the uh, Jewish community of Iraq, when it emigrated to Israel, has been uh, one of the foundations of Israel's intelligence community. Turns out that uh, the uh, telephone and telegraph operators of the Iraqi railway system, um, operated by the uh, British, uh, they uh, were quite uh, knowledgeable about um, codes and conversations. And uh, so Israel, yes, does have an interest and uh, has some deep knowledge about what is happening uh, in the country of the two rivers, which is the country of the three communities, Kurdish, Sunni and Shiite, and too many neighbors, as you um, uh, mentioned. Israel's main interest is in what happens um, in Iraq as a conduit from Iran, as Ronan uh, mentioned. And uh, it used to be that Israel has focused on the Anbar province bordering um, the Syrian region of uh, Deir Azor because uh, that corner uh, of Al-Qaim in Iraq and uh, uh, the other uh, side uh, Bukamal in, uh, in Syria, this was, first of all, the closest range that Saddam Hussein's missiles had to Israel in 1991. And then it was the transshipment point for uh, Iranian munitions. But now there is another danger. Israel fears that if uh, the Iranians want to launch missiles at it, they will do it not from Western Iraq, which is what we talked about right now, but from Eastern Iraq, which is close to Western Iran. All they have to do is send their missiles and launchers across the border and then do it from there so that Israel will have to hit back at Iraq rather at Iran. So this, along with what is happening in Yemen, 
um, in a similar fashion is what Israel is interested in. And therefore, we also hear about clandestine operations from time to time where warehouses suddenly uh, uh, explode uh, just by themselves. Mysteriously, very mysteriously. mysteriously. Indeed. Dr. Bombs, I'd like to ask you, uh, to what degree do you see the, the Iraqi theater uh, come to the point of stability when we already know that the Iraqi government or the central Iraqi government as the, the main uh, um, authority uh, at this stage uh, is uh, influenced not only by Iran, which uh, obviously has its grip uh, around the neck of many of the Iraqi leaders uh, from the Shiite camp, which is the majority of that country, but also has the capacity to really um, cross the border, as um, Mr. Owen stated, and uh, conduct its operations from Iraqi territory whenever it feels like it. Well, you have asked uh, the question that also includes part of the answers. Of course, uh, Iraq is another country in the Middle East that its diversity uh, does not, is not, is certainly not a guarantee for its stability, especially uh, when 55% uh, or so of its populations, the Shias, are uh, backed uh, and organized and mobilized uh, with the uh, leadership of Iran in the form of militias that actually received uh, quite a bit of support in the time when they were fighting the Islamic State that began in Iraq. And then they translated this into a political power uh, in with very specific agendas in mind, not uh, necessarily to bring about stability, but to really to bring about control. Uh, these issues, uh, similarly, by the way, to what we see in Lebanon, are not easily sorted. And, and the stability requires the creation uh, of a, a new balance of power, and it also requires the understanding of uh, the majority of Iraqis uh, that they need to do something in order uh, uh, to create uh, the strength and the Iraqiness, something that uh, began to, to emerge. Uh, you now have more symbols of Iraqi who says, look, I want to be Iraqi, I understand where I am, and I want to live in a state that is more safe and secure. I don't want to be influenced by foreign militias and foreign forces. But uh, these foreign forces are strong. Uh, they, they have, uh, just similarly again to Lebanon, uh, almost uh, autonomous um, ability to operate, uh, including uh, with uh, military uh, forces, uh, and that uh, constantly hurts stability. This is why elections were uh, again and again uh, postponed, uh, and this is why prime ministers keeps on uh, succeeding each other with an attempt to bring about uh, this uh, dream of stability. The U.S. said that uh, stability continues to be a very important agenda. Uh, elections are set for uh, the end of the year uh, with the hope that uh, a new uh, parliament and government may be able to come together. And the key for that is coming together as Iraqis and says, look, we need to take over this country. We need to distance ourselves from foreign influences. And that's not going to happen uh, by itself. Uh, the pro-Iranian forces are not simply going to be convinced uh, that they need to leave. Uh, that may happen uh, if there's going to be additional uh, push and assistance to uh, really re-strengthen uh, the uh, Iraqi forces that they will be able to have more control in their own country. I think that's uh, unfortunately will take some time. Indeed. Well, we do not have very much time left, but I'd like to ask you, Dr. Zaydel, you, you, everybody speaks, of course, about the, the popular mobilization forces or Hashd uh, And I'd like to ask specifically about Hashd as it is a constellation of various militias. Uh, there are more than 44 militias that are part of this uh, uh, 
Iraqi central government, uh, or at least backed by the central government, uh, constellation of militias. It doesn't only include uh, Qatab Hezbollah, which is the most prominent uh, Iranian-backed militia, but it also includes numerous various militias, including uh, Turkmen militias, which are backed by Turkey. It's backed by uh, Yazidi. Uh, there are various Yazidi militias, as you mentioned, Christian uh, uh, militias, and uh, Sunni militias as well, uh, even though much less than that uh, because of uh, the fact that this constellation of militias was actually formed in order to combat the Islamic State at the time. But uh, just to give a little bit of an understanding, does this uh, Hashtishabi organization or constellation of militias actually agree with each other and operate together uh, at the volition of Iran, or is there slowly fractures within this uh, uh, organization that may then uh, break into multiple parties that have allegiances to different countries? It is uh, divided uh, according to the loyalty to Iran. Some of the militias called the al which means that those who, are, um, who accept the principle of the Wilayat al-Fakim, which is the guiding principle of the Islamic Republic of Iran, um, they make one, uh, one, uh, one, one camp, and the other camp is made of uh, militias who accept the uh, spiritual leadership of uh, the leader of uh, spiritual leader of uh, Iraq's Shiite community, Sistani, um, and they don't accept this uh, this principle. Uh, the leadership of uh, the Hashem Shabi is almost entirely made of people who accept the. Uh, uh, principle of the Islamic Republic of Iran, uh, and these are uh, the uh, commanders of the pre-existing militias like the Taib Hezbollah al-Iraq or uh, Asaiba al-Haq and, and the others. Those are absolutely pro-Iranian uh, militias. Uh, they are stronger than all the others. Um, some of the uh, pro-Sistani militias agreed to dismantle and actually join the Iraqi armed forces as a kind of unit or something like this, which is uh, which runs contrary to what the um, pro-Iranian militias want mm -hmm. to do. Um, for a while, Academy, the prime minister, who knows a thing or two about um, security issues in Iraq, uh, and he he kind of manipulate, manipulates all these organizations. He wanted to widen and deepen. Uh, the, the wedge between these two camps. Um, it wasn't that successful, but the wedge exists, and you sh we should know about it. Uh, most of the Hasht is, is not uh, part of the militias. Militias maintain their own uh, structure aside from, from the Hasht. The Hasht for them is another vehicle to get money from the state, not only from Iran. Uh, the state funds it. The state pays for the for the uh, uh, um, for the uh, the income of um, the members of the hash, um, mm -hmm. but uh, we should know that not all of them are militia men, and the militias maintain their own structure. The militias now also do something else; they uh, produce some sort of shadow organizations. Those are the the small organizations, very creational, uh, creative names. Uh, which uh, often take responsibility for the launching of rockets on the American embassy or on American bases. We will have to revisit this topic and, and uh, continue to analyze it from different perspectives. But this is uh, all the time. I'd like to thank Dr. Zaidel, uh, Dr. Bohms, and Mr. Owen for being part of today's program. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well. And we will see you next time.
Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.